It is your Classic Metal Show right here on the ClassicMetalShow.com. That is a tune called Private Jones. That is from the 100 Years From Now release. Hopefully we're all here 100 years from now, or at least our families. And here's a guy that um, he, he, will have, he has created music that will definitely be here 100 years from now. One of the most famous voices of all time, the, the legendary vocalist of Styx. Legendary vocalist of his own, if you followed along past Styx or in between Styx runs. It is the one, the only. It is Mr. Dennis DeYoung. Dennis, how are you, sir? Please hold your applause till the end and get your photos as you leave the building. <laughs> Excellent, man. Well, Dennis, make sure, you, make sure you sanitize your hands. This is, you know, we, we're, we're trying to do an interview here. Yeah, I won't touch my face or the microphone, I promise. <laughs> I'll touch your face. No, I won't. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Dennis, you have this brand new release called 26 East, Volume 1, um, Part uh, it's it's a two parter that at one point I guess was earmarked and it might still be as your your final output on a long glorious career. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Talk about you know not only putting together this this big piece of music, but also about you know making a decision to to finally call it a day after so many years of rocking. Well, I was excited to find that when I announced that this was my final album. Uh, rock critics everywhere through a big party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're finally rid of this load. Um, you know, I I was talked into doing this. I should say badgered by Jim Peterick, okay. who's a friend and a neighbor of mine here in Chicago. He was the guy who wrote Eye of the Tiger and so many other hits for Survivor and Ides of March and 38 Special. Um he kept bugging me saying that, uh, uh, that the world needed my music. And I said, have the world text me. I don't believe it. <laughs> so, um, he and Serafino from frontiers records, who I'm sure you're aware of, sure. uh, they cater to you guys. And, um, they, they, they ganged up on me and they kept saying, come on, Dennis, make a record. And I thought, why would I do that? Because despite guys like you waving your arms as crazily as you can, the whole structure for rock and roll music is dissipated and disappeared. So the way rock music used to be uh, transmitted to a very, very large audience, which was through the radio, mm-hmm. it's gone. You know it. Mm-hmm. I know it. The rock stations that prevail at this point, for the most part, play classic music. And the two most dreaded words in the English language to many classic rock fans are new music. They right. run with their hair on fire when they hear that. Mm-hmm. At least that's what the PDs tell us. So I, I thought the only reason you make a record, the only reason, is to have a chance to be on the radio and communicate others. Okay, now you can tell me about the Internet. You know what I say? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> because the Internet is so daunting and is so, it's like the biggest Chinese, Chinese menu in the world. You walk in there, you don't know what to do. You end up getting egg roll, you know what I mean, with chop suey because you're confused. So radio was a great way to do this. That being gone, I was, I was unmotivated okay. to make new music. But anyway, Peter sends me this song, Run for the Roses. I said, okay, now that's a song, that's a real song. Let's um, see if we can finish it. We did, and before we knew it, we had eight songs. And... So I was in, you know what I mean? I was in. I said, let's, let's do the best job we can. And, and I, I, it's a concept album, if you didn't get the concept. And the, and the concept was, don't suck. That's it. <laughs> nothing, better, nothing bigger than that. 
And so now that I've done it, uh, the response, at least, and I've done like 35 or 40 interviews so far around the world, and I, I have been uh, humbled and overjoyed by the, the positive reaction to the doggone thing. I never, I never, you never know what to expect, you know, especially for somebody like me. I'm 73 years old. And, uh, you know, at, at some point you figure, well, maybe I should sit, you know, you know, draw the bath and sit in the bath for a while and have a martini and let the world go by. But in this particular situation, I'm glad Jim, uh, he convinced me to do it. I'm very happy with the outcome. And like I said, going in, if you hate this album, it's Jim Peterick's fault. <laughs> if you love it, it was all me. <laughs> well, I'm going to say that it's all you then, because it's it's a really, it's it's a fresh record, and at the same time, it, it captures all of the the elements that have made you you. You know, it, it's 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 one of those records. You know, it, critics are saying the critics that have heard the two songs, the the first two songs that were out there, East of Midnight and um, the one with Julian Lennon, uh, to 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 the good old days are saying sounds like classic sticks and okay fair enough but everything's going to sound classic sticks with your voice on it the unique yeah i i i started out going for a classic donnie and marie sound (laughs) exactly i couldn't do the marie part no yeah look um for those of you who are listening going who's this who's this guy um i formed the band which is the reason the album is called 26 east that's the address of my parents' house in Chicago, where the band was formed in 19, check this out, kids, 62, <laughs> by the Panazzo brothers and myself. And it's called that because that's where it began. Those three guys are the nucleus of sticks. Right. They're the most important members. Really, they are, because if they don't get together in that basement, none of the other guitar players who came later could join a band. And there's three locomotives on the uh, a cover leaving the train station for the stars. That represents those three those three mooks, you know, who who as kids knew nothing. It, it, it was two years before the Beatles, and we were you know we were just trying to please our parents and 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 and, and play nice because I played accordion. Can you believe that? <laughs> I'm an accordion player by trade, and we weren't even playing rock music. We were just trying to get our our parents' approval. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know because you know this is this is what we want. All of us. You want it. I want it. Everyone listening. We want a nice pat on the head. We want people to approve of us to say you did a nice job. You know what I mean? Sure. Just to get a love for a little love from other human beings. That's really what we want, ain't it? Yeah, exactly. No, you're you're exactly right, man. Well, and some of us go nuts with it, like me and you. We see there's a whole crowd of people. You see them right there. You've got them in your mind. Mm-hmm. Then you and I. We're jumping up on uh, above the crowd, waving our arms, yelling, "Hey, look at me! Look at me!" Right? right. And so what we said was, "We got something to offer you, and uh, go ahead and judge us." That's what we've done, and through you, you through what you do, and, and me through what I do. Mm-hmm. No, you're you're exactly right, and and you've done it so well that most of the world knows what you've done. You know, it, it's a testament to, you know, your ability not only to perform but to you know, to reach people, whether it's with your words or the sounds or whatever. And that's such a rare gift. I know, you know, probably at this point in your career, you must reflect on that and say, wow, I really did reach a ton of people. Let me tell you the truth, because you know me not, not at all, but I tell the truth and here it is. Are you ready? Okay. I found some chords. And, and and then I stuck notes on them. And then I took some words and put them on the notes. 
And I looked around and gave my point of view about my life and the world I saw around me, hoping that you and others would find themselves in my story. Sure. That's all I did. But over the years, I have found, miraculously, people come up to me on my Facebook if they get a chance to meet me, and they thank me profusely for the music that I gave them that made their lives better. Now, well, let me just be honest with you. When I was doing it as a young man, in the throes of competition, I was just trying to beat Queen and Forner, for Christ's sake. Right. That's what I was trying to do. Little did I know that 45 and 50 years later, people would still be telling me how much it meant to them. If I'm not the luckiest guy on the planet, I don't know who the hell is. Well, and you know, though, Dennis, that it's it's because of your lyrics. Yeah, and I know you know this. Take yourself out of the equation. Um, you know, people take songs and they live by their songs. I know I do. You know, they live by. I can point to every important moment of my life and say, okay, well, this was the part. This was the song of that moment, or this was the lyrics of that moment. <clears throat> you know, I tell a I tell a true story that involves sticks and your work. You know, on the show, I went through a divorce seven years ago and I went and saw sticks and just seeing them, seeing them perform your songs. It was like gut wrenching in a way, you know, to hear, you know, babe, I'm leaving. I must be on my way, you know, stuff like that to hear those lyrics or don't let it end or whatnot. But sure. And I got a song for you on this. Listen, this is what I want you to do. You hang up there. When you're done with this interview, you listen to you, my love. It's All the right. only real ballad on the record. Okay. If you had a divorce, Ladies and gentlemen, listen to that record. But you're right. I just, people are writing on my Facebook right now. They say, uh, you know, a lyric from the best of times when people lock their doors and hide inside. Right. And rumor has it is the end of paradise. Right. I thought, well, okay. You know, when I, when I was reading that, uh, reading that, when I was writing that, uh, I wasn't foreseeing a pandemic. Right. I, I was just talking about in 1980 how. It, it seemed after going through all the upheaval that happened in the '70s, and crime was at a, you know, was at a pretty, it was at an all-time high during those years. And and, and I I felt when I, as a child of the '50s and the early '60s, the freedom and innocence that seemed to be in our daily lives had gone away. Right. And so I was talking about in the best of times, finding someone, which is so important, who you can share your life with and have love you, and you can love back, and then it'll give you a leg up and a better chance of surviving the chaos that is life. Right. Outside of that little, and now we are, we are going to hunker down with our loved ones, and we hope we, when we're hunkered down with them, we don't kill each other, but <laughs> still, we're going to hunker down there and, and fight the outside world. Right. No, you're, you're, you're 100% right, and... You know, moving back to uh, 26 East, uh, Dennis, the one thing that really stands out, you know, for for anybody that's looking at the just at the credits, let alone listening to it, is you have amassed an amazing cast of musicians to perform with you. I mean, it's literally a who's who of, you know, AOR or melodic type rock and roll. It's it's a fantastic collection of musicians. Well, they'll be happy to hear that. Uh, a lot of it was my band. If you've ever seen my band, if you ever, there is no band in the world that duplicates Sticks' music and Sticks' joy like the band I have. 
Just go to YouTube and look up Dennis DeYoung and the music of Sticks. The concert is there. Mm-hmm. All right, it has over 900,000 hits. Take a look at it. It's only been up a couple of years. That's the, that's the deal. So I used my band. I used uh, Jim Peterick. Obviously, he's playing a lot on here. I'm playing. I've got Mike Aquino, a fantastic guitar player in Chicago. Uh, my son plays drums on the Julian Lennon song. Sure. And I have uh, my drummer, Mike Morales, a killer. And uh, Ed Brett, let me see who else is on this record. Kevin. Kevin. But yeah, I mean, listen, th- here's the thing. I would be lying if I, if I didn't say this. I loved being in a band. Mm-hmm. I loved it. In 1999, when I, got, when I became ill, while we were recording an album, Tommy and J.Y., there were only three of us left, uh, chose to replace me in the band. I didn't want to be replaced, and I would still be in the band today if it was up to me. Sure. I love being in a band, because what a band does, when it's functioning properly, it is a competitive force, a competitive force toward a singular goal. Which, make, which is making your band better than the others. That's when it's working properly. So when you write a song and you get in there with these guys that you know like brothers, you know what their strengths are. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's strength is played to, and you've got your play. You've got your team. You know who's at short at third? Sure. And I really love that. So when you run on your own, you have to make those decisions uh, based song by song. And like I said, most of this stuff is my band. But, uh, but, but well, quite frankly, I'm extremely pleased with the way the thing sounds. If you guys liked, and I think we agree with this, if you liked, if you liked those Sticks records from 77, 78, 79, 80, in that period, I think you're going to like this record. And, and I, I can only say thanks, and I can't wait to play this for my band members so they can hear what you said about them. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you know, and you know, you're talking about being in a band, Dennis. And, and one of the things that you've always done, you personally have always done, whether it was with sticks or solo has been, you've always had that ability to kind of blur the line between rock and theater. You know, you're not, you are not solely a rock musician that just stands up and rocks on stage. You've always presented in a way that even if a person is not a diehard rock fan, they can appreciate what you do because you reach them, you know, with your ability to present a, in a different way. And it's a, it's a rare quality in a rock musician. Well, we were perform. you know, we were, I was a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess it started with Jerry Lewis because initially I think I wanted to be Jerry Lewis. And then I liked the three stooges. And, uh, and then it carried over when we started playing uh, music. I was funny on stage and we were very charming and we were pleasers. Uh, I just realized this recently, every guitar player who ever joined, uh, the nucleus, John Chuck and I had joined a band who had gigs already. We were successful because we played music people wanted to hear. And then as we got different guitar players over the years into the band, they all joined because we had gigs. And so in 1970, when J.Y. joined, J.Y. joined because his band had imploded. Right. It was his group. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we had gigs. He was coming to, he, he wanted to make some money. Just graduated right. college. With it. I think it was, for him, uh, joining the, the TW4, which was the name of the band, it was uh, just an economic decision to play some gigs for a while until he could get his band back together again. Right. Well, lo and behold... He liked making the money, and a year and a half later, we had a record deal. Right. 
Everybody joined those three guys. And it's important to put on a show for people. We were theatrical uh, from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and that comes from me uh, and uh uh, our lighting designer, Jeff Rabbit, who joined in late 74, 75. So our stagings were a combination of Jeff and I working together. Uh, he was a uh, Northwestern graduate graduate in theater, and he, he developed a lighting style for us that was very unique, and he brought uh, theatrical scrims in, and we worked all that stuff to, to to give people something more than the five guys standing on there, you know, making sure. making faces at the band and or just standing there and doing nothing. To us, it was a not a theatrical because that was long before I could say the word theatrical. It just was a showbiz performance. Right. And people came to our shows because they knew it was more than just the songs. The songs brought them there. But I think the theatrics brought them back, and I, 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 you know, you know, Jeff Rabbits. Okay, I told you, I mentioned his name for a reason. Yeah. After Tommy Shaw quit in 1983, at the height of our popularity, right. to pursue a solo career, leaving the other four members going, "What? Wait, yeah. what?" Right. Uh, the other three guys wanted me to replace Tommy. Mm. I said, "I can't replace Tommy." Right. Now, you know, it showed a, a certain lack of self awareness of what Tommy and I meant to the band. So I refused to do it. I thought, well, let's let Tommy go and do a, a solo record. He'll probably come back. Right. And you know what happened to our lighting guy when, when, when yeah. uh, Jeff Rabbits? He, he fell right on his face. He had no career afterwards because he, he went and became Bruce Springsteen's lighting director for the next 35 years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's who Jeff Rabbits is. Anything you've seen Springsteen do for the last, well, since 1980, what it was, 1983, that was Jeff Rabbits, including his videos. So the theatrics, here's my, my, my theory. You know, you, do, you deal in a lot of heavy metal stuff and, and hard rock bands and, yeah. uh, and thrash metal. You do that stuff, don't oh, yeah. you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. The, the, all, all those bands, they're acutely aware of what they're doing in terms of show business, are they not? Oh, of course, sure. I mean, could there be a concert if somebody doesn't give, give somebody the, you know, the horn sign? I don't think so, yeah, right? Right. That's theatrics, no matter how you slice it. Mm-hmm. And they look a certain way. Like I always say this, <laughs> different genres in music are UPS guys. Right, okay. <laughs> they all wear a particular uniform. Go right. ahead and say it out loud. If, you, if, if your favorite heavy metal band stepped on stage... Uh, with short hair and collegiate look, you wouldn't recognize them. Right. Every band has every every uh, every band has a certain uniform they wear, and so that's theatrics. When Bruce Springsteen was com- had John Landau tell him, "You are now James Dean. You're not the kid from uh, Freehold. You're now the American James Dean. Turn sideways, get the smirk, put a little rip in your jean here, and have the hanky hanging." You see what I mean? Yeah. No, you're right. You're- that's theatrics. Mm-hmm. When when Elvis swiveled his hips. And had a gold lamage yet? What Sticks did and believed in 100% is give the people some reason to come back and see you, just not hear you. Right. You know, and it's ironic now because those guys now seem to do just that. They, they, they perform the songs. Where I, I've seen both both eras of the band. I saw Sticks. I'm I'm a little old myself, I guess, but but I saw Sticks on the uh, Caught in the Act tour or Kilroy tour, and and I saw them as recently as I don't know two years ago, I guess. And it's it's a totally different. Not neither's bad, but it's a totally different uh, thing. 
And I, I think the big difference is the fact I saw you perform solo with Survivor at Clay's Park here in Ohio, you know, several years ago. You still brought that theatrical, got out in front of the crowd, brought the crowd into you thing, where I think that is probably the biggest thing that Sticks has lost with you not being in the band. Well, thank you so much. That and that, and that, that, and that gift from God I got in my voice. <laughs> well, you do have that. That is true. <laughs> so look, you come and see me. Uh, because I started out on accordion, sure. right? Okay. And I had to entertain ladies, at, 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 uh, older women at weddings. You become versed mm-hmm. in how to give people a good time. Because that's what this is. Despite uh, The music is the music. If you want the music, put on your, your cassette, your A-track, your mm-hmm. album, your 45, your CD, your download, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's the music. When you pay money to go see somebody... You better see something. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, you, you shouldn't look like everybody in the crowd. You should look different than the crowd. You should present different than the crowd. Oh, brother, do we agree? This idea, you know, that well, the grunge people did that. Mm-hmm. You know, they brought that to the forefront because, you know, the extremes of the 80s and late 80s with all the hair bands, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, got, it got to the point where it, it, it started to look cartoonish. Right. Comical. No offense to anybody who did it. That's just my opinion. And, you know, it became more about the mascara than the music. Mm-hmm. And so grunge was a reaction to that. No, look at us. Well, look at our shoes. And like I said, you know, that whole grunge thing went on way too long. Right. Way too long. Because, you know, not only does uh, flannel make me itch, but come on. Doom and gloom. Here's a perfect example. Am I on a soapbox now? Let me be on this soapbox. <laughs> look around, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Are you ready? Go ahead. This thing that just hit us, that reminds us, we human beings know we're finite. We're the only species that does know that. That puts a burden on the way you handle your life, knowing that you're not going to make it past a certain point, and we don't know where that point is. And now we realize, so we fool ourselves to think we're in control of something in this universe. We're in control of a few things, but ultimately we are not. Right. And so... What does entertainment give us? It gives us respite from all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It helps us through the rough parts, like you just said about music. This is what it does. It fills our souls. It it, it gives us hope. And this is what I didn't like about grunge. We know life is shite. Right. (laughs) We live it. We live it, okay? I don't need to be reminded of it all the time. It's too dark, too gloomy. That's what I didn't like about it. And I'm not in a soapbox against grunge. I'm just saying hope, love, joy. This is what we're grabbing at. Give me some of this. We'll do it in any way we can, right? Mm -hmm. We'll do things, uh, give me a drink, give me a drug, give me a... We're looking looking for respite from the chaos of the universe. Right. That's what we're doing. And and I'm happy to provide it. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, Dennis, they... It's exactly, we say this all the time here on the show, you know, it's the same reason that, that we, the, the audience, the fans are so sick and tired of, of artists, musicians, actors, whatever, spewing the um, political side, whatever their political advantages, because we look to our entertainment to get away from 
the news, to get away from the world, even if it's just for a half hour or an hour to listen to an album or two hours to go to a show. We look to it to get that escape that we need to get through the hardship of day-to-day life. Kids, pay attention to me now here for a second. If you don't, just turn me off. I'm full of shit. It's okay. (laughs) But here's what I think. The virus right now is going to teach us a valuable lesson. Mm -hmm. Grand delusion, I said, deep inside we're all the same. No matter how much success, no matter how much, how good we look, right? How fancy we dress, how much success we don't have, what, what color we are, what religion, what tribe we, ju- we want to join. It's, it's all bullshit because the little virus is going to show us what's really important. We are really all the same, and we're all the human species on this planet that's hurtling through space. Now, that may seem, sound hoity-toity, but trust me, that's a valuable lesson not to forget that at any moment anything could happen. And so, like, when you read all that's going on right now, and somebody says, somebody blew up somebody over there, right? Mm-hmm. You think, really? If somebody's blowing up somebody up right now with everything that's going on, the real blow-up thing is the universe. And so human beings, I hope, when this thing passes, which it will, that we realize, at least we have a sobering look at who we all are. We divide ourselves, okay? We join our groups. We join our genres to say this is who we are to define us. And because, like I said before, we're confused. And I don't blame us for being confused because we don't know what the hell's going on. Nobody knows nothing. Nobody ever did. We can talk real loud and, and act real smart, but who are we trying to kid? Because everybody is an expert when they're blabbing their views, genius after genius, <laughs> without any clues. Lyrics from a song I wrote 10 years ago. And another one was, you got your foreign wars and your global warming, a terror plot or two. Everywhere you look, there's a virus forming. Right. By the way, by the way your rent is due. This is, this is the human condition. And hopefully when this thing passes, we'll start to look around and say, wow, this was a hard lesson, but maybe we needed to learn it. Mm-hmm. That's my hope. Yeah, well, it's definitely the, what, it, what it looks like is going to happen. I mean, we're certainly going to find out. And you're right, it is going to pass. And, and when it does, we're you know, much like 9-11, and I, I don't mean to compare one or the other, but it's much like 9-11 in... Yeah, the world's going to be different on the other side of it, but we'll, you know, we'll adapt and we'll adjust and we'll move forward. That's what human beings do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have faith. And that's why in, in my music and Sticks music, if you look back at it as a whole, I can be proud that we, we talked about issues. You know, so many of our, our contemporaries at the time, you named the band, Sticks, there were Sticks and Queen and Foreigner in Boston and Kansas and Army. Just go all the way down the line, right? The litany. Uh, Sticks said stuff in their music. And what I can be proud of is that I think we stood uh, for the hopeful and positive side of life. We tried to inspire human beings to chase their better angels and not to give in to their worst, because it's easy to give in to your worst angels. That's why they're there. But I'm proud of the music we made as a band. And in the music I made on 26 East, see what I did there? (laughs) See what I did? I hope I've done the very same thing. And there's a song on this album, kids, 
that you guys who listen to this show are going to really like it's called with all due respect. Am I right? You are right, man. It's, it's, it's perfect for the time. You, it, it's definitely, well, why don't we do this, Dennis? Uh, why don't we wrap up the interview with that song? Uh, tell, tell everybody a little, a little bit about the song and, and we'll use that one to wrap it up and introduce everybody to 26 East. I don't like being political. But what I like to be is the common sense guy and look around and say, wait a minute, hold on. How many people have looked at the news and the political punditry, whether it's on the radio or on the TV or in the, in the newspapers, and thought, oh, my God, we're going to hell in a handbasket. Well, guess what? Once again, the new virus has taught us this is a real hell and a real handbasket. So here's what I've said, and with all due respect, it's a song about... My belief that the giant media wheel that spins throughout our country and around the world realized some, some time ago through the news that in order to get people's eyeballs, attention, and ears, if they took the opposites, because there always are opposites, the people who are fervently in one camp or another – stuck them in a WWF situation, right. gave them microphones and let them go at each other. People were interested because it was theater, mm-hmm. not because it was true politics, not because it was beneficial to the country, but because it was a form of entertainment where you could choose a side. Right. I'm with those guys and when I'm with those girls. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous because at the core of all these shows, whether from the left or the right, they are all partisan in one way or another. The, the, the fix is in. Mm-hmm. It's rigged. And, it, and then you sit there as a consumer because you have a life to live and you're trying to catch up on what's going on. You, if you watch this stuff, it corrupts your mind to believe that Americans are at war, war with each other. We right. are not at war with each other. Right. There are more things in this country in our, in our personal beliefs that will bring us together. But not if the media has anything to say with it. And, all the, and what's their goal? Well, their goal is to sell you cans of beer. Right. Okay, they're, they're there to sell, to sell you goods and services. And they, they, they don't care about the fabric of our country. They are harming the fabric, the moral, and uh, not, not moral. Well, I guess it is moral. But the social fabric of this country is being destroyed by a belief system that 24-7 shoves it down our throats that we are all against each other. We are not. Right. No, you're, you're right. And, you know, it's almost a competitive nature. It's, they're, they're, building, they're building it up like a sports team, like you're either on the winning team or the losing team, and, and you have to choose. And it's, and it's bullshit. You know, it, it really is because in the end – in the end, you know, most people, I, I can only point to the virus thing right now. You know, I, I don't know what everybody else is doing. I'm going to assume you did the same thing I did, which was call all your people that are important, make sure they're okay, make sure they have what they need, because now politics doesn't matter anymore. And that's now you're talking like a human. Yeah, well, but that's what most people do. The, po- the political side of it, the social media side of it, pretends that that piece doesn't exist. Fill our brains with bullshit long enough, and everything becomes bullshit. Exactly. Don't we agree? We we agree a hundred percent, hundred fifty. You and I could disagree on 
specific political uh, ideas. Sure. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. We can't. That's why this country is great. Right. It allows that. It encourages it. But there was no... This is not the promised land, as I say in one of my songs. This is the promise of this land. It's up to you and me. Mm-hmm. We are the promise of this land. There ain't no guarantees. It's up to you and me to keep the promise of this land. We have to figure out a way to be e pluribus unum, which is simply from the many, one. From the many, one. Yeah, this guy over here, he's a mook, but he's one of us, so he's one of our mooks. Right. And that's the way I look at it. We're not all going to agree, and that's the way it was designed. So accept it for what it is. Have your differences, but understand we're all going to call the people we love when something really bad goes wrong and be human beings because deep inside we are all the same. Exactly. Exactly right. Well, Dennis, this has been a lot of fun, and why don't we, um, why don't we wrap this one up with the song with all due respect so let's check it out right now it is dennis the young it's with all due respect right here on your classic metal show